This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When we become more aware of who we are and show up with our whole self, we start attracting what we want in our professional and personal lives. Valeria interviews Katarina Stoltz. She is a holistic life coach with specialization in expat challenges and life transitions and a psychotherapist specializing in the Gestalt method. She works with high-performing international professionals who find themselves in a purposeless hamster wheel and have lost sight of who they are and what they really want. Katarina empowers her clients through a mix of education, guided explorations, and experiential exercises to break free from overthinking to improve their health and vitality. As a result of working together, her clients achieve fulfillment without burning out. She does this through her therapy work, coaching programs, her popular Time to Thrive blog, and her free guided Time to Thrive journal. Katarina is an expert in unlocking the root causes of stress and anxiety. She guides her clients through a self-awareness process of becoming life-confident and crystal clear about their deepest desires. She draws from her expertise working with hundreds of clients, as well as her own experiences in the corporate world as an entrepreneur and as a wife and mother who has moved countries twice. Born and raised in Sweden, she now is based in Berlin, Germany, where she works with therapy clients in person and serves coaching clients worldwide online. Katarina's desire to work with clients on their well-being is grounded in her own experience, trying to meet everyone else's expectations growing up, which led to feeling a lack of belonging and disconnection to herself and people around her. Today, she is a recovered drama queen turned self-development junkie who has learned to trust her inner knowing. She has a talent to create a warm and calm space where clients don't feel judged. Through her dynamic energy and challenging questioning, she brings her clients on a journey with much depth, but also with a sense of humor. Katarina is on an unstoppable mission to ignite life confidence and joy in as many people as possible. Recently, she was nominated for the Femcom Award as one of the top 100 in Germany for being an inspirational role model. Meet Katarina at katarina-stoltz.com. Here's the interview with Katarina Stoltz. In your own words, who is Katarina Stoltz? I am a recovered drama queen turned uh, self-development junkie who has learned to trust my inner knowing. And I'm also someone that not only friends and clients, but also strangers tell their deepest secrets to. 
And yeah, the reason to that is is my energy, which I usually describe as gentle, challenging, approachable, warm, and dynamic. So yeah, that's a it's a combination of the depth that comes from always challenging myself to know myself better. And my dynamic body language, that that makes me approachable. Yeah, that's wonderful. I must ask you the question about trusting your inner knowing. How did that happen? Oh, that's a long journey. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yes. yes, very long journey. <laughs> yes. Um, of course, it started, you know, in, in childhood where I was always questioning if what I was feeling was okay, right? Always that questioning and asking other people for advice, always turn to friends, uh, books, and, and never actually listened to myself and what actually I wanted. Uh, I always felt that it must be wrong, it can't be true, and it took me a long, long time before I started to trust my inner knowing and actually turn inwards rather than always go external yeah. and turn to others for, for advice. Right. Wow. And, you know, you just started answering that question with the long story that's a long journey for most of us. And I wonder why, why does it take, why do you feel it takes so long for us to tap into our own intuition, uh, what is true to us, and to have the courage to express that? I think, I mean, it's it's not true for everyone, but right, I think right, that right. it takes long, and I can talk from my own experience yeah. and also working with clients. I think that there is a lot of things that we don't want to see. And sometimes we only want to see the, the beautiful part of us. Yes. We don't always want to see the full us with all our flaws. And then when we're not really embracing and seeing the whole of us, right, we, we're kind of putting on an armor, we're kind of putting on a mask because we want people to like us and love us. Um, it's difficult to tune into that intuition because what is actually our intuition? What is it that is actually true for us? when we spend so many years of almost like acting and, and putting on different roles. So I think that's why it takes so long, because we need to de-armor. We need to really get to know the truth and, and the real us mm. uh, before we can actually tap into that intuition. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And you also mentioned that this is not true for everyone. It was my case of not tapping into that inner knowing for a long time, taking um, yeah. suffering a lot to get there. So for those who tap into their inner knowing as children, so what is different about their experience? Um, what would you say? Well, the ones that have a different journey, uh, of course, they learn to trust much sooner. They They learn to trust people and the world out there. Uh, they don't think that the world is a scary place and and they can just trust and lean into their intuition much sooner because they have learned, let's say, from their parents from the start that what they are feeling is okay. It's valid. 
And then they can start trusting that their intuition actually is, uh, is correct. And they, they start following that uh, much sooner than somebody who have, you know, been questioned if their, their emotions are okay. Yes, it's sad to hear, isn't it, in, in a way of yeah. kind of uh, going back to my own experience with my parents and how everything was, everything I felt or said was wrong, was never yeah. right. And that's why it took me a long time to mm. trust myself. Yeah. And there's something else. Let me see. I have a, another open question here for you about self-love. How do you describe what self-love is and what are some of the misconceptions about it? I think to continue a little bit what I said before about self-love is that we can love all of ourselves and not just the parts that we we actually want to show to the world so that we love every part of us and also every body part, even the knee that we don't like or the (laughs) eyebrows uh, or the tone of our voice when we listen to it. Um, And that we can still love ourselves, even though we fail, uh, we make mistakes. Mm. um, And sometimes we regret things that we do and that we can still love ourselves for the person we are. Uh, and not value that or base that on only doing the correct things, mm. right? And, and and being only good all the time. Mm. Yes, that's a beautiful answer because I love the idea that we can practice. It, it sounds to me like it's a practice and it has been in my case kind of constantly kind of returning to what I know it's true, to be true for myself. I wonder how we can practice self-love and love every part of ourselves and at the same time allow space and room for growth without criticizing, without um, trying too hard to change what's there. How do we navigate those realms? Yeah, I work a lot with that because many of us have that, what we call like an inner critic, that it's always present, right? And always trying to to push us down, making us small. And what I always do is like always welcoming those parts because so many of us, we want to get rid of it, right? As soon as something is uncomfortable, something we don't like about ourselves, I have so many clients that come and they said, I just want to get rid of this. Right? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to have imagine. it any longer. <laughs> and and I can so much resonate with that. There's so many parts of us that we don't want to have, we don't want to see. So the way I work with it is always like being gentle, even though if that is a very harsh inner critic, trying to be gentle and see what does it have to say? What do we notice about it? And usually behind that, there is always a need. And if we can get access to the need behind that harsh inner critic, we can start healing. Ah, that sounds amazing. Sounds like another practice, of course. And it takes being guided as well by people like yourself, which is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Katarina, yeah. for I have to thank you now, even I thank you before, but I have I want to thank you again for being open to life, 
to answer the call and do what you're doing today because mm. I do connect healing to spirituality. So the more we know ourselves, the more we heal ourselves, the more we get to know who we truly are. So I see the work of spiritual work being done here. And with that in mind, do you have any spiritual views of life in yourself? Any concepts of spirituality? For me, the spirituality has always been that I know that I am guided. That has been my inner knowing, like I talked about before, uh, of feeling that I am taken care of. Like there has been a deep trust, even though I have questioned it. So behind all these questions, there has always been an inner knowing that I will be okay. Um, I have so many proofs in my life um, that I've always been okay. After every challenge, I know and I trust, I always trust that I will be okay for whatever happens to me or my closest ones. Yes. Would you say that that is uh, in a way that it's a trust in the inner peace? Uh, there are also practices or it's they are already there and it, and for some reason with the experiences of life we kind of move away from them and then it's knowing how to return would you say that's something mm. like that yeah yeah i love that because the title of this episode you mentioned the word too in your bio says katarina helps her clients to prioritize their own well-being so they can achieve fulfillment without burning out so the idea of fulfillment and well-being, would you say is one and the same connected to trust in inner peace or something different? Yeah, for me it is. I mean, it's different for, for everyone. But I would say for me, fulfillment is really to, to trust and also to do what I am here to do on this planet and not for anybody else and not for anybody else's fulfillment. I think that's been really important to me in my journey as I often felt misled um, and were kind of trying to please others and trying to do what other people wanted from me or other people's journeys. And I think that, that is, that's been really important to me that fulfillment is really like my own fulfillment so that I really get in touch with what that actually is, what is my true desire, mm -hmm. and uh, what is it that um, I enjoy doing. Yes, I love that. And that really sounds like it's coming from that place of inner knowing, of inner peace. And it's also a feeling. It's interesting. It sounds like it, the way you speak, but it's also a feeling. That's almost like a confirmation also that yeah. comes with it. Talk to me about the integration of holistic life coaching and psychotherapy. Do you do them actually together as a practice or they are two different fields? So I, I separate them. And of course, I don't stop being a therapist when I'm coaching and yeah, I don't I'm stop sure. being a coach when I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, sure. giving therapy, right? Yes. Uh, so of course, it's not totally separate, but I still... Um, work differently. So I only offer therapy in person. I want to see the full person, the full body when I work with therapy, which I use the Gestalt method. 
and holistic life coaching I do in person and online. Uh, so the difference here is really like with therapy, we go and aim for an emotional healing, right? It's a very slow journey. Most of my clients, they stay at least for two years, right? We just work from session to session, whatever they bring to me. I usually work with, with anxiety and depression. Uh, and with coaching, it's a much quicker journey. So it's usually around three to six months. It's much more thought provocative. I ask a lot of powerful questions. I also mirror my clients. I give them a lot of resources, you know, exercises and books to read. So it's more dynamic. But of course, we also go much deeper maybe than classical coaching would go because I'm a therapist as well. So usually my coaching clients think like, oh, is this therapy? Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, for some clients, <laughs> yes. they are very open to look at their wounds. And then, of course, we do that even though I separate it. So it's not healing in that sense as if I would work with them in a therapy setting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I love the way you say that you can't really separate one from the other. You do, but not exactly. <laughs> the moment is still the same. <laughs> so your services, uh, therapy work, coaching programs, and you have the Time to Thrive blog. And you also have the, you offer a free Time to Thrive guided journal. Talk to me for a moment about that, Katarina. <laughs> Yeah, this I'm so excited about this journal. It's something that actually took me a, quite a long time to create. And I first created it for my clients and my clients started using it. And I just saw amazing results. And I just decided I need to give this away for free that more people use it. Because a lot of people hear about journaling these days, right? We hear how good it is for us to journal, you know, everybody talking about morning pages and so on and so forth. But not everybody are motivated by these blank pages. Not everyone can sit there with a pen and a blank page and just start writing. And I've seen with a lot of my clients, they need guidance. So I created a guided journal with prompts, uh, questions. And what it is that it is um, practice to do once a week on Sunday when you're not working, you sit down and you take an hour and there is a couple of questions that will make you look back on your week. So really looking at things like what kind of things dragged you down during the week, right? So you can start identifying thoughts, maybe toxic relationships, things that just doesn't serve you, right? And then you look ahead on the week and see, okay, what is it that I want to do differently? What is it that I can focus on? So it's also a way to, you know, for all my busy clients to get a little bit structured. And um, through this guided journal, you can really see how that boosts your energy and then you start getting rid of things that really drags you down so that you have time for the things that lift you up. Mm, yes, create more space. So awareness and release. That's what it sounds to me. Yes. Two powerful practices. So I'll have the link for anyone who is interested to download and sign up for the free time to thrive guided journal. I have the link here and I'll have on your podcast profile too. So the main topic for today's conversation is uh, healthy boundaries and finding fulfillment. So I guess the first question has to be this one. 
what has been your own experience with boundaries and why is that so challenging? I must say it has been very challenging for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's been challenging for me too. And I grew up with with parents with very poor boundaries. I didn't have good role models, right? Uh, we always need to learn from somebody and I didn't have anybody to learn from. So in my teenage years and in my 20s, I engaged in a lot of toxic um, relationships. And I started suppressing my feelings and let people treat me badly. And yeah, and in my 30s, I, I got sick. So I got an endometriosis. I was in a lot of pain. And yeah, as a, looking back, right, it was a blessing because... Of course, then I started questioning, you know, how I was living my life, right? And my body clearly communicated what I couldn't express in words, right? I couldn't express how I was feeling, but my body could. And uh, yeah, in that stage I was working, I was working as a news photographer back then for a big uh, news agency. And I was very successful, but I was not happy. And I suffered in silence. Yeah, I would say probably looking back that I suffered from from corporate burnout back then. And yeah, and getting sick, I knew I had to radically change the way I was living. So yeah, I made changes. I started studying again and I eventually started my own business. I moved to Berlin to the man I had fallen in love with. I started to go to therapy, right, and practice to feel my emotions and yeah, and to learn to set healthy boundaries. And of course, at first it was very challenging, yeah, because I was very angry, right? I had bottled up all that anger, right? right. right? Oh my God, Katarina. Yeah. Unfortunately, I hear all the time that it's my own story too. And it's still a challenge for me a lot of times to say no without feeling guilty. Yeah, especially to my husband, and of course to mm. to other people, it's kind of easier in a way, but it's not easy. It's just easier. So, how do we do that? How do we learn to honor our own truth without feeling guilty about it or shameful about it? Mm. There is not such a thing as as guilt free boundary setting. I think that we often ask that, right? Like, how can we set boundaries and still being loved without feeling guilty, right? Yes, yeah. That but sounds like a psychopath we, more than anything else. Right. <laughs> no we feelings. Can't. We can't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We can't. Uh, yeah. There is not such thing. Yeah. Uh, we can set boundaries and feel guilty. But what we can do then is learning how to, to cope with the discomfort. Right. right. That, that is the work. So not trying to do it without guilt, but really learning how to cope from the discomfort that you feel while you're setting the boundary. Mm. Wow, what a beautiful answer and very clear to me. Yes, you see, and that goes back to the fundamental principle of feeling our feelings, not trying to escape them. So yeah. that is so beautiful because that's what we are, human beings, human feelings. <laughs> we can't yes. really not feel <laughs> and uh, ignoring them, it won't make it any better. Although I have to say that a lot, a lot of times, it's my practice, I kind of ignore the content of 
of the mind, because my practices are, are spiritual practices, so I don't mm. really listen to everything that the mind says, especially when mm. it comes to the self-talk or even the, the perception of the world in a negative way. I kind of pretty fast now I can tell that this is just a filter, that it's just something yeah. that's it's uh, really informed by trauma. So of not trusting, being hurt by others and relational traumas. And then now I know that, so I, I just let it be there. And then sometimes the body will respond to them and, and that's okay too. So there's something in me that I, ha I have learned to identify this other awareness watcher here that sees yeah. everything. It doesn't have to engage with any of it. Just let it, yes. let it be. Oh, you do understand oh, that? Beautiful. Oh my God, I love yes. that, Katarina. That's more spiritual beautiful. kind of type of thing, but. Yeah, I love it, beautiful. <laughs> So you do, this is something that's also understood in psychology. Do you actually teach your clients to, well, it's not really disengaging or disassociation. It's being present to what is present without judgment. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about that. I would love to hear your, your yeah. thoughts on it. Yeah, and that goes a little bit aligned with that of not trying to get rid of things, right? Yeah, because sometimes yeah. the more we try to get rid of things, the more it comes back, right? Yes, yes. So whatever we pay attention to grows. That's my experience. So if you pay a lot of attention to the negative self-talk, right, that grows. So what I usually do is like try to just pay a little bit less attention without trying to get rid of it, mm. right? It's a little bit like almost having that inner dialogue of like, okay, here you are again, my inner roommates, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. there you are again. And, mm. and sometimes we can even be a bit, little bit playful because sometimes I feel we get so serious and you know, a little bit playful of, okay, here you go again. You try to, you know, sabotage what's happening in my life right now, right? I won't listen to you right now, right? I come back to you later. So sometimes I even work with it like that, just a little bit playful. And and really, like you said, you said without the judgment. And even, even if that inner judge is present, then we work with that right? Ah, okay. That's the inner judge. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's listen to the inner judge, right? And allowing ourselves to even be really judgmental, right? Because we all are judgmental in different ways. And if we just acknowledge that, that we also have that within us, we're much gentle with ourselves and we don't judge others for being judgmental when we also, you know, see that we can also be that right, I can right. also be gentle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the I love the way you say that too. You have been saying throughout the conversation, being gentle, right, kind mm -hmm. and gentle to ourselves. So that expands, of course. Yeah, and then we begin to be gentle and kind to others. So, how do we learn to identify energy drainers per se? I think the most important is to to always watch and notice our body. Because there's so many things like we're talking about we can't explain with our mind, right? There, it's usually our body speaks first, 
always. And if we practice to, to really notice our body with different kind of practices, um, it could be just a quick check-in in the morning, right? We can do a quick body scan of seeing, okay, how, how, how am I today, right? And, you know, sometimes we notice a little headache or, you know, bellyache or back pain. And, and usually that's where it starts. And if we start observing the body and do that, you know, on a regular basis, this is how we can start connecting that with, the, you know, the energy drains, right? When we say that we feel tired or overwhelmed or exhausted, right? We need to start with the body because usually we can't explain it. You know, there's so many clients that tell us, I don't understand why I'm so tired. Mm, yes, right? yes, and, yeah. and we can't understand it. Even if we sleep a lot, we work less, we're still tired. Yes, but it could be so many other things that 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 really uh, drag our energy down. So the best practice is really to watch the body and, and check and, and also notice when you are, you know, in contact with others, you know that, you know, the difference when you meet somebody and your body is so open, you know, uh, you just open and feel that you can stay there forever and you can tell that person everything. Mm, yes. You you just feel that you are yourself, right? Mm, yes. Versus your whole body is like contracted and tense and yeah. you walk away and you have that funny feeling mm. in your belly. So I think that is the best way to, to really identify those drains. Yes, I love that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I have had the experience many times of the body contracting, almost like protecting itself. My mind was open to the experience of being around those people, but not the body. So that was, and, and a lot of times also, it's trauma informed. So it's still yeah. holding, right? The body, uh, keep the score. I think somebody wrote a book about that. Um, yes. So that makes a lot of sense too. So the body, it's a very good, um, let's say, anchor for this physical reality, if if there is one. <laughs> the more I think about physical reality, I, it's kind of um, uh, not easy to pin down because as we go deeper, there's no physical reality, but just um, yeah. that ultimate reality that we spoke of earlier. So another question for you is about... Something that you said, uh, saying no can be a challenge. We said that early, but you wrote this. Uh, saying no can be a challenge, especially for women and entrepreneurs. So mm. why is it such a challenge for women, especially? So many women uh, has learned as young girls to be, you know, the nice girl. Uh, you know, not to make a fuss, right? To be pretty right? And to be liked. I mean, from a very early age, uh, we learned that to, to really receive love from, from our parents, from our surrounding, you know, from our teachers, right? We want to be that good girl who does her homework, uh, you know, who clean up her room, you know, and, and all that often leads us, you know, when we become adults, we become that overachiever, right? We always try to achieve more and more. That's typical behavior when we grow up. And we really, really do everything to, to be liked and to be nice. Um, and therefore, that it's, it's very difficult to say no because we're afraid that when we say no, that means being mean, 
right? This is a lot of us think that, okay, I can't say no, because what would that person say? You know, that's mean, right? That's bad. So that's why a lot of women um, suffer from, from, you know, not really setting boundaries and saying no. Yeah, it's sad to hear, isn't it? In, in a sense, it's almost like um, working for love, trying to do something in order to feel loved. And, yeah. Yeah, and that is a sad reality to live in. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Right. I read something recently, I just have to tell you. I read yeah. something which was beautiful. What was it she said? She said, you don't have to be boundaryless to mm. be loved. Mm. Right? Yes. And I think it's such a good reminder. Yes, yeah. It's a beautiful reminder for all of us. And I absolutely love your wisdom and your knowledge and your your clarity on feeling your feelings, even when guilt or shame, uncomfortable feelings arise, it's okay to just let them be from ourselves and others when we say no. So for me, it's, I see, I watch everything, what's happening here. And then I notice when I say no to my husband, there's a feeling that arises in me about, oh, maybe I should say yes then he will like me better or love me more. And then, mm. oh, I should say yes, because then I don't hurt him. So yes. I see both yeah. ways. <laughs> mm. It's very interesting to watch those things because it's just happening. It happens. It's very obvious that it's not the truth, that that's all illusory. But we have, it's important to pay attention to them. Right, Katarina? And not to yes. dismiss all those feelings. Absolutely. Um, I try not to dismiss them, but I do not pay attention to them as much as I used to. And that's getting mm. better, which is a good sign. Yeah. For the body-mind complex. And then I notice the more I realize um, these uh, higher, uh, let's say, truth about reality, that uh, we are infinite and boundless and limitless, then mm. and there's a sense of freedom. It's just incredible. But yeah. I notice that the body-mind cannot grasp <laughs> those realizations, cannot be immediately integrated. So there mm. is work to do. And that's why this podcast is really great for all of us who understand and have this intellectual understanding of the truth, but are still looking for tools and practices to integrate that into yes. a body-mind experience. So let's see, we're almost at the end and I have other questions for you. Let me see. There's another one. Yes, I do want to ask you this question again on the topic of healthy boundaries and fulfillment. Uh, would you say that weak boundaries and burnout, stress, depression, anxiety are most likely connected? Uh, yes, I would say definitely. Oh, yeah. Because... Because science of burnout is usually when we can't say no, yeah, and not knowing when to say no and uh, not knowing how to say no, right? People-pleasing, the, the superhero syndrome, right? When we can do it all, like unrealistic expectations and when we prioritize others over ourselves, they're all like born, burnout is caused by all that. And it's usually a response um, on unhealthy boundaries. 
So I see with uh, a lot of my clients that when, you know, especially the ones that seek therapy, you know, usually they seek for, for anxiety or depression. But what causes anxiety is often the inability to say no, right? We usually agree on things that we don't want. So I definitely see that connection. I always work with boundary settings when, when somebody is close to burnout or, or already in burnout. Um. Yes, that's really great to hear that from you. <laughs> it was a very straightforward answer. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it is connected to everything. <laughs> yes. I always go deeper. I love the big picture and going deeper. It's really awesome not knowing who we are, right, Katarina? Going deep enough to see that we are ah, this limitless. I mean, we are everything that is happening. There's nothing that's not us. Not, not from the perspective of the mind, of course. Like, as with healing, it takes readiness and being open, right, to go deeper. Not all of us will will get there overnight. Yeah. So I have the ending questions for you. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid for today's conversation? Yeah, I think I just want to emphasize that, you know, short-term discomfort when setting a boundary for a long-term healthy relationship is worth it every time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think it's just yeah. something we always need to be reminded of. That is usually a discomfort is always passing. You know, it's temporary and it's important to, to work on those long-term healthy relationships in our lives. Mm. Yes, a billion times to that. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you. So my ending questions, let me see. I'll ask this one. That was actually one of my opening questions, but I'll ask you at the end. If your life had one purpose only, what would that be? If the human experience had one purpose? Mm, one purpose only. Yeah. I would say the purpose would be to be together. Uh all of us and and connect and i mean we are here to connect with each other and not do this experience alone and even if we very often do everything to you know feel independent and do things alone and i could do it alone i manage everything i think the whole purpose is not doing it alone and to do it together, to get support from each other, um, be there for each other and really come back to that, what once was the, that big village and, and support each other and uh, with whatever we are going through. I think that is, that is definitely the purpose. Mm, wow, that's beautiful. And very deep, <laughs> very, yeah. very deep because it will take... That knowledge of the depth of who we are in order for this to become reality, uh, reality yeah. for all of us, the interconnectedness of, of humanity. Uh, what a beautiful vision. And that's funny that you said that. Um, I interviewed somebody the other day and she said the same thing. She emphasized mm. that. She said village. She used the word village too. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Very interesting <laughs> how we are all connected, <laughs> of course, essentially. So yeah. in my last question is, what is another word for healing? I would say another word for healing is, is forgiveness. 
That's what comes to me because it's all yeah. about forgiving ourselves, but also other people that that did something to us. Mm. So that whole healing journey is is so much about forgiveness mm. and things that we have done or what other people have done to us. Mm. I think that is the essence of it. Yeah, it very much um, resonates true. It was one of my first, uh, let's say, steps into deeper understandings, uh, acceptance, forgiveness, right? I guess it depends where we are, right? Um, what, at what level we are at in our healing. But I mm-hmm. remember very much going through forgiveness and acceptance. They played huge, a huge role. Thank you for saying that too, because I know when I think about forgiveness, I Usually now, 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 it's, it comes to me as there's nothing to forgive. And then there's a mm-hmm. smile because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> never happened, whatever happened, you know, everything. Ah, it's fine. But I know that yeah. 10 years ago, that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, I had to go through the process. Right. So that's, um, that's great that you said that too. So it's not just about the big picture of healing and spirituality, but also honoring where we are at. And in your case, of course, with your clients, that's beautiful to see. Thank you so much, Katarina, for your presence here today and everything that you are doing for humanity. I have deep appreciation for that. Thank you. Thank you. I loved being here. Yeah, I feel the same way. This is my sacred space. So thank you for joining me here. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Katarina. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Katerina Stoltz and her work, please visit katerina-stoltz.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.